We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When the time came, uh, the Bulls, you know, called my agent, and I've, I've been watching the Bulls this year and watching what they're able to do, especially with injuries and COVID and Games being postponed and all that. And obviously, having a relationship with, um, with Demar, Zach, Booth, me and Boots, we played, been playing against each other since USC Texas days when he when he beat us at the Galen Center. So um, it's a lot of familiar faces, and obviously Alonzo. Uh, so um, I feel like I want to be part of something really special. That is the newest Chicago Bull, Tristan Thompson, speaking after practice today. He will debut tomorrow night uh, versus the Atlanta Hawks. The Bulls, who finished prior to the All-Star break on a four-game homestand, five-game winning streak, uh, will actually play their next two games at home as well. That'll be uh, tomorrow against Atlanta and then Saturday against Memphis. Both of those 7 o'clock tip-offs right here at 670 The Score. My next guest will be busy with our pregame show here at The Score. That is Rick Camp. Campy, I need you to hang on for just one second, though. Breaking news on The Score is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo privacy simplified. This news was actually broke earlier today. And Bruce Levine just talked to us about it a few minutes ago. But I, I either I missed a part of it or we didn't tell the whole story. Not only, folks, did MLB announce today that any games missed due to the lockout would not be made up and players would be docked an appropriate amount of their salary. And based on a 162-game schedule, that means each game lost will cost them six-tenths of 1%. If they were to lose 10 games, they'd lose 6% of their salary for the year. We're talking about significant money. And they reiterated that they intend to start canceling games on Monday. And, and, and clearly there isn't going to be a deal by Monday. So, you know, whether this is just, uh, you know, tough talk and, and, and idle threats, we don't know. Um, but, you know, as Bruce and I were talking, this thing could still get settled middle of March and probably will. They're not going to miss a season. And they could even then go back and say, all right, we'll reschedule some of these games. But that seems like, you know, it's not a very good negotiating point. And so the owners have said beginning Monday, if there is no deal with the players, that they will start canceling 2022 games. And that could have a very significant impact on the negotiations. That said, let's now get right back to our guest line, the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And welcome in Rick Camp, our resident Bulls expert and host of our pre and post shows right here at the score. Rick, thank you for taking time out tonight. And, uh, 
um, you've actually got the, the, the most interesting team uh, in town with the most active sport going right now. Yeah, it's kind of a nice change after, uh, <laughs> you know, doing some of these post-game shows in the Jim Boylan era where the biggest question was, why did he take a timeout at that point in time when they were already down 25? Like not, Now to have a, a truly competitive team that's interesting, that's respected around the league, that, you know, got a lot of pub on All-Star Weekend is... Uh, definitely been a nice change and it's been a lot of fun to uh you know to just have comp- not just a competitive team but a stylistically fun team to watch so it's just been a blast all year rick tristan thompson is obviously on the back side of the hill uh, he is a veteran looking for uh one more run i'm sure would love to get a ring if he could but also still capable of playing some pretty good basketball and and phil's a significant need while the Bulls wait for Patrick Williams as they've been looking for minutes in a big body behind Vukovic. So uh, after his first uh, practice with the team today, tell us uh, your, your thoughts on the acquisition of Tristan Thompson. I think it made a lot of sense when the buyout market was starting to be discussed, when it's, you know, when the trade deadline had just passed, he was the top name that I thought made sense for the Bulls. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a huge impact guy or could, you know, take minutes away from Vucevic or anything of that sort, but he provides you with a a big that can move his feet better than Tony Bradley does. He's a solid enough rim protector, maybe not as good in drop defense as what Tony Bradley is, but that's all Tony Bradley can do. So teams have started to expose that, and especially since the injuries where the Bulls don't have a guy like Alex Caruso as part of that second unit to make uh, the job of the ball handler a little more difficult and make it easier for Bradley to do his job uh, and, and more being put on Bradley. He's been kind of exposed for his limitations, but Hey, you sign the guy for a veteran minimum to be a backup center. That's probably what you expect. So they gave a little bit more money than the minimum to Tristan Thompson, which was interesting because it showed how much they prioritized him uh, as just a guy that can give them some defensive scheme versatility. He's not going to give you much offensively. So, one thing that Vooch does really well that uh, that you're not going to get out of Tristan Thompson, outside of the obvious of shooting, where literally in Tristan Thompson's career, he's changed which hand he has shot free throws with, which is never a good sign. Uh, but, but just the fact of his uh, decision-making and passing that Vooch is really good at, Tristan Thompson doesn't necessarily have that. He's a true set a screen, dive to the basket, get an offensive rebound, or you know throw down an alley-oop. That's what he'll do for you offensively. So if you need him to give you, you know, 12 to 15 minutes a game, he could probably do that for you pretty decently and probably more consistently uh, than Tony Bradley was. So, Rick, you know, there, there's so many things that we're focused on with this Bulls team, but, but the one that I don't hear a lot of conversation about, maybe I'm going to be the idiot who jinxes it, and that's why nobody's talking about it. DeMar DeRozan is one of the best stories in the NBA in years. Uh, he, is, he probably won't be the MVP, but he is a candidate. Um, he, he certainly, uh, you know, first team all-star, uh, all kinds of honors coming his way if he can keep up this incredible pace. He is 32 and a half years old. Now, now I understand Steph Curry is 33 and LeBron is 35 or 36 or whatever it is that, you know, that, that guys do continue to play well into their 30s. But that also is not just middle age, but kind of advancing 
middle age, uh, you know, in the NBA. Can the Bulls afford over this last third of the season to expect him to continue to carry them for 35, 36 minutes a game? Uh, or, or do they need to start thinking about resting him and getting ready for the playoffs? I think that's one of the key things that is part of the reason in this last 23 games that the Bulls have this season, I'm a little more cautious compared to most because there's just so many moving parts with the injuries that they have. You know, Billy Donovan did give updates on Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, uh, Patrick Williams, and Zach Levine today. So even if you take the three guys that have been out for a while out of the equation, you just focus on, on Zach and DeMar. Already the conversation is with Zach's knee and, you know, getting that drained and the PRP injection and whatever else he did that I don't understand, you know, from the medical side of it. Uh, there's a lot of talk of Zach Levine being rested on back-to-backs. So when you're already missing those three guys that the Bulls miss desperately, especially on the defensive end, and you're probably going to have to rest Zach Levine on, on some back-to-backs, you're kind of just saying, DeMar... We're sorry, but uh, you know we, we still need it from you as much as you can give it because they they just straight need guys that can, that can create. They need guys that can do anything offensively. And I've been someone that's you know been critical of him defensively this year, but at this point, with all the circumstance around them, he's just gotta like find some possessions here and there to just kind of like take it easy. And and sometimes that's gonna happen on defense, and that's part of his reputation. And honestly, part of the reason he's not like a top two or three all um, MVP candidate, more like a top five guy, uh, is because, you know, he's never been very good defensively. But at this point, you just kind of have to be like, listen, he's gotta, he's gotta get some rest somewhere. And if that happens on the defensive end, then so be it because he's just so critically important to them offensively. So how he's able to handle the minutes and any rest there may be able to get him in some of those few opportunities where they have an easier game on the schedule down the stretch is going to be fascinating to see how they handle it. Rick, we know that we're probably talking at least a couple, maybe a few more weeks for Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. At least that's the last I've heard. Um, are there any reinforcements coming now? Is there anybody coming off this extended, uh, basically eight-day All-Star break uh, who, who could step up and make a difference now? I mean, Zach Levine's going to play, but outside of that, uh, Patrick Williams, not so much. He's been on the court doing stuff with, you know, like with the ball, which is you know significant considering it was uh, left or left wrist ligaments that he had issues with that were torn, but he has not been cleared for contact as of yet. You know, Lonzo Ball, like you mentioned, he's still, it's looking like if things go well, he's mid to late March. And then with Alex Caruso, he's been, uh, he just hasn't been cleared for basketball activities, but Billy Donovan said they're hoping within the week he'll be cleared to, you know, dribble and shoot considering he had that, uh, that fractured wrist. So that's part of this as well as this is maybe the toughest stretch of the bull season and they're not going to have many opportunities to get everybody together before the postseason hits. And that could affect them in terms of seeding. And that could also just affect them in terms of for as good as the chemistry was to start the year. You know, it's kind of tough to bring everybody back from different stuff and then figure out your rotations and also just, you know, hope that by the time the playoffs hit, everybody has hit their stride in their recovery from whatever they're coming back from. So there's just a lot of question marks for a team that's been so fun to watch this year. There's still so many things up in the air, and especially with so many things that have changed in the landscape of the Eastern Conference over the last few weeks. 
Well, you, you mentioned the Eastern Conference. That's the other thing I talked about uh, a little while ago with a caller. Uh, the Bulls enter this final. By the way, why did the NBA have the All-Star game more at the 75% mark than the halfway mark of the season? I mean, it, was, there, was that COVID-related or am I missing something? It just it seems like they, they almost ran to the end of the season before the All-Star break. I feel like it's like a week later than it normally is, but it's 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 one of those where they always say the halfway mark, but it's usually more around like the the 60%, 65% mark where now it's like the 70% mark of the season. So I'm not quite sure what the scheduling, you know, why they scheduled it the way they did if it's still trying to stretch everything out. Um, you know, trying to make a little a little space earlier in the year for in case there were any COVID issues or anything like that with a few extra days off that they clearly needed for a lot of teams to be able to reschedule games. But yeah, that's part of the thing that, you know, I don't know if you know the more casual uh, viewer of the Bulls is realizing is that there's only 23 games left in the season. So the Bull, one, that's a great thing because the Bulls are currently tied for the one seed in the East. How, however, this is a gauntlet as I'm, I'm staring at the schedule right now. And I mean, it is, it's considered the second hardest remaining schedule only to the Milwaukee Bucks, which is good because they're one of the teams the Bulls are jockeying for position with. But I mean, you have three games against Milwaukee, which is absolutely critical. Another game against Phoenix, who's been the best team in the league, even though Chris Paul will be out for that. I mean, just a bunch of games against teams that the Bulls are going to have to face in the playoffs or at least see in that Eastern Conference bracket. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they balance everything in terms of rest versus injury versus versus just straight needing to get wins and keep a certain spot within the uh, within the Eastern Conference hierarchy. Because while it seems like this year, one through eight, there's not the juggernaut team necessarily every team one through eight is so solid that I don't even know necessarily one through six, as long as you stay out of the play in, it matters as much. It's much more just matchup based when it comes to the playoff series. Yeah. And I suppose I should be aware that maybe one of the other reasons, although it still doesn't make sense to me, that's not more at the halfway point is the Super Bowl got pushed back a week this year. And apparently yeah. the NBA pushed back a week because they wanted no part of competing with the Super Bowl on the weekend. Yeah, that's probably so, a good call. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think that makes sense, too. So, Cappy, I got to let you go. But before I do. Uh, just one more topic of conversation. You just alluded to it. Uh, I mentioned the Bulls will enter the final 23-game stretch tied for first place in the East at 38-21 and 21 with the Miami Heat. But you've got the Sixers, the Cavaliers, and the Bucks all just two and a half games back. Now, uh, that's actually, believe it or not, a little bit of space. As recently as a couple weeks ago, uh, before the Bulls finished on that five-game win streak, you had five teams within a game and a half of each other, so there's a little breathing room there. But then you get to the red-hot Boston Celtics at four and a half back. Second-hottest team in the conference has been Toronto. They're just five back. Now you're back to a play-in situation at number seven. Um, I would think it's not only critical for the Bulls to stay in that top two, three, or four uh, to make sure that they're playing games at home, but I would think that it would be almost critical to be first or second to try and at least get to the conference finals, if not even the conference finals at home, uh, because this conference is so evenly matched. Yeah, I'm, I've been battling with what's a fair expectation. Like, obviously, the, the goal should be, like you mentioned, stay in those top couple, top couple seeds and face whoever ends up, you know, most likely out of this group scuffling down the stretch 
and facing them after they have to deal with the play-in. That that would be I, the ideal situation. I, I'm struggling with how realistic that is, considering everything else we've spoken about, to where the Bulls are one of the teams where it looks like having home court's going to matter the most. They've had a lot of their home games already. They've already had 31 of their 41 home games. They're 23-8 and eight in those home games. So that that's the best in the Eastern Conference by a good margin. So staying in the top four is, a, I think, a good expectation, a reasonable expectation. And then obviously just the ultimate bare bones goal should be stay in the top six and avoid the play-in at all costs. And they've got four and a half games of wiggle room with 23 left. They should be okay for that because to expect all the other teams in the top six to stay playing as well as they have is iffy. The thing that's interesting now is with the news today about New York's uh, you know, mask mandate and vaccine mandate, that it looks like it's going to be less stringent as time goes on here, that at the closer we get to the playoffs, the more Kyrie Irving's going to be able to play. And then when Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons get back, who knows how the mesh works, but that's a lot of talent to at least have more consistently for them to be staring at as possibly a play-in team. So it's just fascinating to add Ben Simmons, who for all of his warts is a really good player to go from pre all-star break, literally being a zero to now he is inserted into the Eastern conference race as just another guy who at his best is an all NBA level player that could play a decent size role in determining who ends up where in this conference. So it is, it's going to be must see across the board. I, I honestly cannot wait for once the, the better teams one through eight are in the East, maybe the top couple are in the West, but after that, the East is just a gauntlet this year. So it's going to be tough for the bulls, but it's going to be a blast to watch. Last question, Rick. I, you know, you look at this, and even though you've got the, the Hornets sitting there at nine, just two and a half behind Brooklyn at eight, Hornets aren't going to catch these top eight teams. I, I think we know no. who the eight teams are, or at least the six, and then the two in the play-in will be. My question for you is I go back to when the Bulls were at their peak, about a third of the way into the season, still relatively healthy. And again, I to me, Patrick Williams is just a bonus at this point. I, I leave him out of all this because he really was never a significant part of this. But you go back uh, you know, to, to that first stretch, the first quarter, third of the season, when they pounded lumps a few t- times on teams like the Bucks and, and the Nets and the Heats, uh, when they were healthy, if that team is back together and finds the chemistry, is there any amongst Miami, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, and Brooklyn you think they can't handle? I think the size of, assuming if the Bulls are playing at their best and the other teams are playing at close to their best, uh, I think Miami's fascinating because of the, the depth and switchability that they have. And then there's just there's just tough matchups all over the place for the Bulls because I just don't know without Patrick Williams how they could even mildly slow down Giannis. They got three more opportunities to try stuff in the regular season that we'll see. But there are teams, even if the Bulls are playing at their best, that can slow down the Bulls in a playoff series because some of what they were elite at when they were at their best doesn't translate as well to the playoffs in terms of the forcing turnovers because it's more of a half-court game and the better players are on the court for a higher percentage of the time. So the Bulls, that was part of my thing with the Bulls to begin the season was they have a bit of a, they're much more built to be a really good regular season team and have more questions in the playoffs. And that's seeming like it's kind of coming to the forefront 
especially with everything else that's going on but them at their at their best can be anybody do not get that like i i know i'm i'm i skew negative i guess a little bit compared to some but they can beat anybody it's just the odds of them beating anybody are maybe a little lower in my mind than than others Rick, for, for what it's worth, I've been battling this for five decades in the business. There is a very big <laughs> difference between negative and objective. And yeah. I think you're skewing objective. I don't think you're skewing negative. <laughs> and that's our job. That's what you should be doing. So, yeah. man, thanks for the great Bulls talk. I do appreciate it. Uh, Rick Camp, folks, he hosts our Bulls pre and post and is our resident Bulls expert here at 670 The Score. Campy, have a great night. I need to get to a commercial break. I'm late as usual. But... We've, got, we've exhausted our guests for the evening, guys. My guests for the rest of the night are all of you. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what's on your mind, whether it's NFL, whether it's Bears, whether it's Packers, uh, baseball lockout, NBA, Bulls story, the Blackhawks fate, anything in the world of sports, anything that's on your mind, give us a call, 312-644-6767. Again, that number, 312-644-6767. That gets you on the score listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com or... You can dial 312-644-6767 if you want to text me. That will get you into the text zone. I'm going to open that up right now and see what's going on there. So it's just you and me until 10 o'clock, guys. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll get it started. Looking forward to talking to you in just a moment right here at The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Hub Arkish with you tonight until 10 o'clock. We're going to go an hour later than we have been in recent weeks and months, only because Bears All Access was here tonight from 6 to 7. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller talking Chicago Bears football. We're going to talk a lot more Chicago Bears football, NFL football, Anything you want in the world of sports, uh, but I obviously specialize uh, for the most part in the NFL and the Bears. Love talking to you guys about it. All really enjoying uh, some of the Bulls and MLB talk tonight. Our phone number three one two six four four six seven six seven. Got a line or two open for you right now, so give me a call. Uh, if you will, and we will get into it. Uh, uh, Also, you can text me at 312-644-6767. I'll be looking at your text as well. But right now, I'm going to go to the phone lines and out in Oak Forest. Dan is up first. Dan, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Hub? I am good, thank you. Good, good. Hey, Hub, it's my understanding the New Orleans Saints have a pretty bad cap situation heading into the next NFL football season. Are there any players worthwhile that are going to be cut a cap casualty to the Saints that the Bears should look at signing? And who would be your top free agent picks to help the Bears be competitive in 2022? Uh, I'm sorry, before you go, when you say who would be their top free agent picks, you're talking about the Bears' top free agent picks? Correct. Yeah, so if the Saints are got to make some cuts, right, to their roster because they're, they're in a bad cap situation. Right. Who could the Bears potentially pick up from that roster to help them, number one? And number two, just overall in the NFL free agent world, who are your top targets the Bears should seek to make okay, their well, roster more competitive? 
Sure. All right. So let me see if I can help you here. I, I you know, there, there's a couple issues with the Saints, uh, Dan. You know, number one, they are about eighty million dollars over the salary cap. But before Correct. you even get, but before you even get to that, players that you could very well be interested in. Teron Armstead is a former All-Pro tackle. He's 31 years old. He's a free agent. Marcus Williams is a Pro Bowl level uh, safety. He's 26 years old. He's going to be a free agent. Jameis Winston is a free agent. Now, that's a New Orleans problem. I don't see the Bears being interested in Jameis Winston. Uh, beyond that, uh, Quan Alexander is still only 28 years old. The Bears are going to be looking to add linebackers. You've got wide receiver Kenny Stills is now 30 years old. Uh, it goes on and on. James Carpenter has played tackle. He's a left guard. Now, now he's 33 years old, so probably not as interesting. Uh, as far as young free agents that you might have an interest in, actually, Traquan Smith, wide receiver, is only 26. He hasn't really uh, panned out all that well for the Saints. So I don't even know if it's as much looking at Saints veterans who could be cap casualties uh, just so much as looking at their own free agents that you don't know how they're going to sign. Now, there are always ways to do this. There's always ways to manipulate and adjust the cap. And, and, and you know, the, the Saints will find a way to get down to the cap and may even be able to save a free agent or two of their own. But before that happens, um, you know, in terms of how do you get to the cap, even consider saving your own free agents. Well, now... Uh, you know, you got to look at some of the guys who are your biggest cap hits. And, and so uh, you look at a, at a Marshawn Lattimore who, who, you know, he's got almost half of his salary guaranteed. So, you know, you don't get a great savings by moving him. You look at Michael Thomas, uh, uh, you know, your, your next highest played play, play, excuse me, paid players are Ryan Ramchick and Cameron Jordan, uh, you know, in that group. I, I don't think Ramchick, the Bears are not going to sign a right tackle. I mean, if they do decide to go into free agency of the offensive line, I think it's got to be a proven left tackle. Left tackle. That allows yep. you to move Tevin Jenkins over to the right side where he belongs, um, I believe, anyway. You can kick Larry Borum inside to right guard, re-sign James Daniels and put him at center where his ceiling is the highest. I think you may have a, a pretty good offensive line at that point. Um, and, and so, you know, there, there certainly are ways... Uh, to, to benefit from that. Uh, but, but, you know, beyond that, looking at the Saints roster, I, I, again, I think it's more the free agents that you don't have to worry about whether they're cut or not. They're out there, and I think that could be uh, where the Bears are, are looking the most. Now, if you're talking about just going into free agency and, and how do the Bears, you know, best improve themselves that way, well, then, Dan, you know, I'm going to forget the Saints for a minute. I'm going to start by position. Uh, what are your greatest needs? And, and I don't think there's any question that wide receiver uh, is the Bears' greatest need in, in, in rebuilding the offense, uh, you know, whether it's the draft or free agency. You got Chris Godwin out there, has the potential at 26 to be a number one receiver. Now, he's going to be coming off an ACL, uh, so he may not cost as much as some other guys. I don't see the Bears making a big run at Devontae Adams only because he's 30 years old and the money he is going to command and you're at that danger zone with wide receivers, giving him big contracts at that age. Will Fuller has never been able to stay healthy, but has proven himself to be uh, dangerous when he is. He's 28 years old. You got Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe more of a high-end number two than a number one. Uh, you know, you've got... Uh, 
Uh, Jamison Crowder and Sammy Watkins are 29 years old. Crowder is definitely a two. Watkins maybe a one and a half or a two. Mike Williams is 28 and would fascinate me. He's going to be a number one receiver somewhere. Um, you get into a younger guy like Zay Jones, who you know could be a two or a three, played well for the Raiders this year. The wide receiver position is absolutely loaded, and I didn't even mention Christian Kirk, uh, who's only 26 years old, and some think can be a number one. Is certainly going to be a high-end number two. Uh, you know, what's your greatest need after wide receiver? You know, a lot of people think that it's cornerback. I, I, I guess they, you know, you could argue that they do need another starting cornerback. But um, I don't think they're ready to give up yet or shouldn't be ready to give up yet on Kendall Vildor. Uh, he did struggle after a pretty good start uh, the first few weeks, but then was playing better late in the season. I'm not as high on Duke Shelley, but, the, but you, you know, you don't give up on him yet at a nickel. You're certainly in good shape with Jalen Johnson. So if you're looking for another starter there, you know, again, age is always a factor when you get into the free agent market. Um, you know, Kevin King is only 27 years old. You'd love to get him away from the Packers, but he hasn't been a stick-out cornerback, even though he was a high pick. Um, the, the top two guys are J.C. Jackson, who is only 27 years old from the Patriots. He, he was a second-team All-Pro this year. I think should have been first-team All-Pro. He is going to get big money. Uh, Charverius Ward is, is probably a notch below at the position, but a pretty good one. Only 26 years old. Desmond King at 28 is a very good cornerback, uh, a guy you might want to look at. Um, you know, I look at Levi Wallace in Buffalo, so there is certainly free agent talent at cornerback uh, that the Bears could leverage and do pretty well with. Uh, you know, not necessarily coming from the New Orleans Saints, uh, but certainly some guys that you want to take a hard look at. So, Dan, thank you very much for the phone call. Guys, I do have to take another quick commercial break here, but again, we're doing nothing but your calls and texts for the next hour and a half. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Again, 312-644-6767. Give me a phone call. We've got a few lines open. Anxious to hear what's on your mind in the world of sports. I'm Habarkish, and we are back in just a moment or two right here at The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hobart is here with you tonight until 10 o'clock at 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. I really appreciate you all being with me as well. Taking your phone calls and your texts the rest of the way out, we have had already uh, a number of outstanding guests visit the show. We started out uh, right off the top with Wayne Larravee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers, as we talked about New Chicago Bears defensive uh, offensive coordinator, I apologize, Luke Getze, and then, of course, got into the Aaron Rodgers situation and where the Packers uh, stand going into the 2022 season. They will remain the gold standard of the NFC North as long as Rodgers is there. Nobody's certain at this point whether he will be or not. Followed that up immediately with Bruce Levine, our senior baseball expert here at 670 The Score, kind of dug in a little bit uh, to really the nuts and bolts of why the MLB owners and players are so far apart. It will surprise no one at the end of the day. It just comes down to money. The, the owners want to keep more. The players want to make more. Um, uh, it is interesting, though, that uh, the owners made a pretty severe threat today. I guess we could call it breaking news. It was earlier today. It's being updated regularly now. 
but they had announced, uh, or I shouldn't say announced, but they had told the Players Association uh, several weeks back that the deadline for a new CBA was February 28th. And if it was not reached by them, that they would have to start canceling regular season games. Well, lo and behold, we wake up and February 28th is this coming Monday. And the owners announced today that not only are they sticking by that February 28th deadline, that they will be beginning to cancel games, regular season games, if there is no new CBA by Monday. I assume they're saying midnight Monday. I don't know what the time of day is. Um, But... They also announced that unlike last year with COVID protocols, there will be no makeups of canceled games. They will not play late season double headers or schedule makeup games on off days. The owners are now threatening the players with what they're saying is the reality that if they don't have a CBA by Monday, players will lose regular season games. And for every game that is not played, all you got to do is divide 100 by 162. The players lose six-tenths of 1% of their salary. So just to put a face on that, uh, they miss 10 games. They lose 6% of their annual salary. Well, if you're at the low end and you're making a million dollars a year, and that is the low end in Major League Baseball, that's $60,000. You know, the average salary last time I looked was in the $3 million range. That's to the tune of 180000 and that's if it's only 10 games. We don't know what they would cancel. So, uh, you know, whether the um, MLB owners are just posturing and, and, and threatening or whether they're serious about this, we don't know. All kinds of things happen in negotiations. We do know as we get closer to the March 31st scheduled opening day, these conversations are going to heat up. Both sides are going to get more serious about getting to a bottom line. The owners could always agree to rescind that penalty, um, You know, maybe play uh, you know, some games uh, just with a, with a shortened spring training. Um, you got to be careful, especially with pitchers, obviously. But it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. And then we had a visit with Rick Camp talking Bulls and NBA. And uh, I think as excited as everybody is uh, about what the Chicago Bulls have done so far this season and the new outlook brought by Arthur Konoshovitz and, 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 and uh, you know Billy Donovan, that this team still personnel-wise may not be ready to play with the big boys when it gets to playoff basketball. Uh, but as we've walked through it, There's also no reason to believe they can't, at least in the early rounds, if they get healthy. But that seems to be the key to everything. So uh, those just a few of the topics we talked about. Actually, right off the top, uh, there was uh, some breaking news earlier today. I think the New York Post had the story first that the four-letter network, ESPN, and Troy Aikman may be very close to a multi-year mega multi-million dollar deal. The reports are it could be 10 years and $180 million. Uh, we call that Tony Romo bit money in, in the business these days uh, for Troy Aikman to to step into the Monday Night Football broadcast booth. And, and uh, the Post is claiming that that deal could be close uh, and that if it happens that they might then very well set their sights on NBC top play-by-play guy Al Michaels uh, who allegedly has also been courted by Amazon to to leave the NBC booth and try and pair Michaels with Aikman. And we know that Al Michaels is a huge fan of Troy Aikman. And I'm not suggesting he isn't a fan of Chris Collinsworth. I know nothing about that relationship. Uh, but money talks and everything else walks. And apparently uh, uh, Disney slash ABC slash ESPN are the ones uh, ready to spend a lot of money 
uh, on their broadcast booths for the next eight, 10 years or so. Obviously, that would have a uh, residual effect on the broadcast booths uh, at um, NBC, uh, you know, and Fox. Uh, we don't know, you know, that, that CBS would be impacted in any way. There's no reason they should. Uh, uh, Romo under contract for a while, so don't think any of the other networks could make a run at him. Apparently, uh, my producer Brian Callahan was telling me during the break that there's also been reports that if Aikman did leave Fox to go to another network, that Fox might make a run at Sean McVay. I think that's pretty far-fetched. I don't think a 36-year-old head coach is retiring just because he won his first Super Bowl this year. McVay did make some comments in the week leading up to the Super Bowl that he was kind of rethinking the future and trying to decide uh, what might be next for him. He is getting married this summer, um, and he did say that he does want to be uh, varied, you know, multifaceted, have other interests than just football. But he didn't say anything to suggest that he was ready to retire. Now, we have to remember that after a 10-year run and one Super Bowl, John Madden did retire at the very tender age, especially in those days for an NFL head coach at the age of 42. But, but McVay is still six years short of that. He's only been the head coach in Los Angeles five years. So while that's another rumor that's out there, I just I, I don't see anything happening with that. So at any rate, those are just some of the stories we've been talking about. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. If you want to call us and have some thoughts or comments on any of that or anything else on your mind in the world of sports. Before I get back to the phone lines, though, and for those of you who are holding, just please be patient for a moment or two. Uh, I haven't gotten to to the uh, text line nearly as much as I should in my recent hosting stints. And I, I don't want to ignore you. I never want to ignore you guys, but I want to just take a moment here to make sure that I look at some of your texts this evening. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. My, 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 my most recent text as I was talking just now, does Jay Cutler now regret turning down the TV contract? He did turn down a $10 million season um, I believe it was with Fox, uh, to go to Miami when they had a late uh, summer injury and spend one year down there uh, trying to play quarterback. Uh, the offers apparently were not there or at least not as lucrative afterwards. Um, and so this texter, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't talk to, to Cutler, at least haven't in a long time. I don't pretend to know Jay particularly well. Um, and I don't know, he may just be enjoying life right now. He certainly made plenty of money playing football. That said, you never want to leave millions on the table. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's the possibility that the Cutler regrets that move now, but, but I can't say for sure. Um, th there was one text that really jumped out at me here, um, and it was actually uh, about Phil Mickelson, uh, and, and I've always been kind of a lefty guy. I know he's crazy and he's out there. I am not completely up to speed on what he said the other day that offended folks so much. I know he said he was leaving uh, the PGA Tour to go play on the Saudi Arabian Tour. Uh, he was leaving because of he, he has long had disagreements uh, with a number of folks um, uh, in the PGA about the way they run the Professional Golf Association and apparently decided that it reached his peak. He, he had allegedly had a number of other top players lined up with him to you know, leave or boycott the PGA at least temporarily and go to Saudi with him. Uh, but apparently all of those guys, assuming they existed, have dropped out. It leaves Mickelson sounding a little 
uh, I don't want to say crazy, maybe goofy's the word, and, and kind of with some fences to mend. He did apparently today uh, start to, to walk back some of his comments, but he is still out there on a limb by himself. And I have a texture here saying, so let me get this straight. Feel bad for working with the Saudis, and the NBA is still good, perhaps in the future, especially when China invades Taiwan. Money does crazy things. So, you know, uh, to that texter from the, uh, let me see, that was in the 773 area code. I don't know that, that anybody's right here. Certainly there's a lot that we could say about Saudi Arabia that we might or might not like. Uh, there are tremendous concerns uh, about the, the dictatorships and communism in China and, and what it could do. Uh, certainly their human rights record is awful. Um, uh, and then, you know, when you get to these athletes, um, you know, I, I don't think that Mickelson in any way was trying to make any polit political statements here. I, I think he's unhappy with the PGA, and, and, and he has been for a long time. We, we know that, and I think he felt that at the end of his career, he was trying to be a leader and take some steps to force the PGA to fix some of the things that he thinks are broken. Uh, unfortunately for him, it's not working out that way. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Gosh, I mean, you know, Major League Baseball players have been going to Japan forever. They're in China now. They're, they're you know, NBA players are in Turkey and all over the place. There's all kinds of countries around the world that we don't necessarily agree with on everything where these athletes have to go if they don't have an equal opportunity uh, here in, in the States, whether it's with MLB or the NBA or whoever it may be. So I would say to this texter, I don't know that Phil, uh, that Lefty, you know, was right in, in a lot of what he said in terms of his threats to leave the PGA. And, and, and I don't know how that really relates to what the NBA is doing with China. This is all about owners trying to make money. The PGA are not owners so much as a governing body of a rather well-starched sport that has not shown itself too open to change for quite some time now. So um, we'll see what happens when it comes major time. Uh, you know, uh, is Lefty uh, going to be back, you know, for the Masters, for the U.S. Open, for the PGA Tournament? Um, you know, I, I realize that the PGA doesn't run all of the, the uh, uh, you know, the, the, the four big ones. But at the same time, I don't think he wants to miss a major. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot more still to, to play uh, in that story. We've got to take a quick commercial break. We've got Darren hanging on the line with a few others. Darren, stay with me, buddy. I'm going to be right back to you in just a moment. I do have to get to a commercial break first, though. You've got 670 to score. I'm Hub Arkish, and we're back taking your calls at 312-644-6767 in just a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.